and welcome to Imagine Talks podcast, achieving success, social impact, overcoming obstacles. And my name is Francis Kong. And I'm Stephen Chan. Today we have Samantha Mui. Samantha Mui is a native of the California Bay Area and she is a former culinary student and current food blogger. She has worked in the restaurant industry for over a decade. Her cooking style is inspired by her travels abroad where she has experienced culture through cuisine. Samantha has been a guest on PBS's Check Please. Find her on social media at Sammy Eats. And I'm pleased to say Samantha has also published her new book, Melting Pot, available in bookstores and Amazon, stories and recipes from a Chinese American daydreamer. Welcome, Sam. Hello. Thank you, Stephen and Francis for having me. Super excited for our chat today. So this has been exciting to see your growth. We've known each other for years and you just published this book and we were just wondering, how do you get your inspiration? Oh gosh, that's such a loaded question, right? Um, I think specifically for this book, you know, I can talk about Melting Pot, where I get my inspiration, but for me, I've always been really in touch with what I like to call my inner child. Mm -hmm. Every inspiration that I have as an adult comes from, you know, the stuff that I jumped about when I was a kid. To give you an example, um, you know, when I was a kid, I was this odd kid. I, I didn't watch cartoons that much. I really enjoyed watching cooking shows. And, you know, in some ways for me, watching cooking shows gave me a glimpse to people's lifestyles and how people were so different in the world. And so I really got a lot of inspiration through, uh, you know, just watching TV. And as a kid, I dreamt, you know, I would go to like, so this is the thing about me. I had a mouth on me, like, but in, oh. a, you know, in, as a kid, I was also very shy. So nobody really knew this about me, right? So I would go to field trips and come home and start talking like a tour guide and I would imitate everything they were saying. So I would do the exact same thing when I watched a cooking show. I would go home, you know, I would go home, you know, talk about food and all these different things, you know, and watch these television shows and imitate it. So that's kind of where I got my first like, ooh, let me try to actually cook. And it was from that that I got a lot of inspiration of like how to cook and a lot largely why I decided to start cooking was actually had to do with the fact that I never fitted oh. in with my pairs in elementary school. To me, I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb, um, which I didn't realize now looking back on it, I was Asian American. I was given these opportunities that were afforded to me, not necessarily because I was supposed to have these opportunities, but I just ha somehow happened to be in certain places. And because of that, I, I felt like I would never fit in, you know, whether it's, you know, um, my school systems, you know, different friends, all these different things. I was just so different and out of my element. Yeah, so, you, you mentioned that in your, uh, some of those elements in your book, how you're yeah. merging two different worlds. And what were those two worlds that you were merging and trying to reconcile? Yeah, I had, and so, you know, it's funny, it's like, I've always dealt with a lot of conflict growing up. I didn't realize this. Um, I was, you know, obviously I was Asian American, but at home I was this type of, I was, I was, you know, I was Samantha or, you know, 
the, the daughter, you know? And so I always knew like what to do to be that specific person for everybody. And then, you know, I, and then I had, you know, family that was so closely connected to their Asian Chinese roots. But then when I go to school, like it was such a different culture. Um, I didn't have much social norms growing up. I was a latchkey kid. Like my mom let me run wild when I was a younger kid. So I learned, I was just not like trained like most kids to be like a certain way. So I had a lot of freedom. And I think that's largely um, now how I am as a person, you know, I am very free to do what I want to do. I am, you know, I, I learned how to thrive off of this creativity that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten if I didn't have the child upbringing that I had. And some of those, some of those uh, influences come up in a lot of what you talk about in your books, food mm -hmm. philosophy too. Mm -hmm. You talk about how food connects people. You talk mm -hmm. about mastering cooking techniques, but not recipes. Yep. Um, tell, tell us a bit about uh, some of your food philosophy and how, how being uh, sort of, uh, I would say free yeah. in a way as a, as a latchkey kid, as you say, influences how you cook food. Right. So much of my life growing up, I didn't have structure. I didn't know what that was, that looked like. I learned a lot of different things on TV and I feel like as a young kid, I had a lot of adult experiences in a young kid's body. Yeah. So when I say that, uh, you know, when I talk about mastering, you know, techniques and not not memorizing recipes it's because like i never really followed recipes growing up and this is because i watch a lot of the women in my life and in melting pot you'll see that there's a lot of stories dedicated to chapters to women that really have shaped me as a person and so um a lot of the women I've seen cook, they never followed the recipes. They follow this intuition in the kitchen. They, you know, they knew what they were looking for and they just had this like formula in their head and they would produce the exact same, they would produce all these amazing foods. So it was funny. And this is kind of, we're talking about like, you know, my Western back, you know, Western context and the Asian context that I grew up in. That was very interesting to me to see that, you know, even in the kitchen, we cook differently, right? I mean, I'm sure, I don't know about your mom or, you know, grandma or whatever. I don't know if they use measuring cups, right? That's not a thing. It was just intuition and it was guided by this. Yeah. In one of the food philosophies, you, I, I definitely resonated with one of the food philosophies that you had. One of them was called be resourceful. And it, it, and if I, I just could re read out loud one of the parts of your book, you wrote, in my childhood kitchen, each tool had many functions. A cleaver could be a fish knife, meat cutter, and garlic press all in one. Watching my grandma, and this is what I definitely identify with, watching my grandma save all the packets of barbecue sauce and ketchup at fast food joints taught me that each bit counts. And then you later write, having limitations can be a launching pad for creativity. And I can imagine that there's a lot of emotion that can get wrapped up in um, in seeing that happen with with your family. On one hand, there's a lot of um, like you, you could you could potentially frame it as, as something that's sad, or mm -hmm. but something that can also be celebrated, meaning that there's a lot of resourcefulness there too. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, yeah. do you do you feel like there are any particular uh, cooking stories? Any 
any uh, any things that you've had to overcome in your own cooking journey? Oh, that's really good. It's crazy because I feel like, and I think I need to give you a little backstory of like how Melting Pot even came about. Because, yeah, tell us, tell us. Yeah, because I think it'll actually kind of answer a little bit of that. But I originally, so when I was a kid, two things I loved. One was storytelling and one was food. You know, that was like my two things as a kid growing up. Those were my favorite things. Um, and I remember, you know, maybe in elementary school when I really felt like I wasn't fitting in, I was bullied and things like that. I read um, Chicken Soup for the Soul, um, the series by Jack Canfield. And there was just something really powerful about those books where it was about human experiences, stories about people who were really going through tough situations, going through pain or struggles, but being able to see the other side of everything that, you know, um, they could, they, they always knew there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And for me, as a young kid, I grabbed onto those truths and I held it like, like it was my little like, safety blanket and so when I got older you know I always saw myself you know I always saw myself you know doing something you know maybe even a cookbook one day but I realized like I really wanted to tell stories and tell stories from an Asian American perspective because when I was a kid you know I read a bunch of picture books about food all these different things but I never really read about my experience and I thought that was really important because as an Asian American girl, I had a lot of conflict and tension within myself that if I was able to kind of share that perspective in that mindset, when I, how old I was at the time, I do believe that this could help somebody else who's coming of age and trying to like figure out who they are as a person. Um, and so I knew people aren't going to really read my story because who is this chick, you know? <laughs> so I, I decided I'm going to incorporate stories and food together. And I, I know, I realized at a young age that food is connected with all memories, whether it's good and bad. And so being able, so it, to me, it just made sense. So combining the two was really the inspiration behind it. Who? Oh, um, you're mute. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, it's, it, thank you so much. I muted myself uh, because I was hitting some buttons and I didn't want the audience to hear that. Uh, but, you know, you were mentioning stories about uh, and wrapping them up with uh, your cooking. Throughout your book, you also meant, discuss how things have been like growing up for you, how you, uh, you mentioned uh, Judy Bloom, that you might have been a Judy Bloom heroine, and also the original food stars, Lydia Bastianich, Martha Stewart, Nigella Lawson, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, but you didn't exactly see people with a similar background as you growing mm -hmm. up. And, and, and so that was some reading through this has been um, valuable because I don't think too many Asian Americans um, see themselves it, when it comes to like the usual cooking stars. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah, you feel, and so take, take us through your journey then. You, you, um, you know, you're growing up, you've wanted to be a storyteller uh, and which you are now a storyteller mm -hmm. and a chef, which you are as well. I mean, you're, you have experience in, in terms of making food uh, and you, I, uh, Francis and I, um, and Francis have let me know that you've 
also learned a lot on journeys abroad. You mentioned that briefly in your in your uh, book too, but uh, tell us about a bit about that uh, and what kind of things you've learned abroad. Yeah. Um, well, it's crazy because uh, one, I before you know going. So I went to abroad in 2015 to live in China for one year. But before that, oh. I was convinced I would never leave California. I thought that, you know, California is the thing. I always want to be here. I never want to move. I didn't even have an urge to travel one bit. Okay. My first flight was when I was 18, you know, and I think I went to Kansas City, Missouri. So like, it's just to give you some context. Um, but yes, right after I got out of uh, college, actually a month before I graduated from college, um, I had this opportunity uh, to live abroad in China and get my grad degree and do my research and studies and everything in one year and teach. So to me, I was just like, yeah, you know, why not get a degree, go have fun, try something different. And prior to me, I couldn't explain at the time, but I knew there was like a certain pull for me to do that. And that's the thing, like, you know, what, whether I'm using my intuition in the kitchen, I use it a lot in my actual life. And I just knew that there was some reason I needed to be there. So anyways, I just took the leap. I, I realized, you know, in order to go anywhere in the world, all you need is like two suitcases and you could be anywhere, right? Um, that's one thing it taught me about life is like, you know, you can't like, I wasn't as attached to my things as I thought I was, right? When you go with two suitcases, you come back with two suitcases and that's it, you know? So that was a really cool, um, small little side note lesson. But yeah, I went there and I, you know, in my book, you know how we were talking about being resourceful and all those different things. For me, like watching it in action, because it's like my motherland, you know, my mom's from Guangzhou, China, mm -hmm. and my dad's from Hong Kong. So my mom, so, so realizing what I can, like seeing it with my eyes every single day, people cooking on the streets, people having a little cart and making five different items. You know, I remember this is like a very vivid, like it was like this thing that, you know, just really blew my mind. It was one day I was walking down the street and I see this gentleman with a bike carrying like three couches on this little wagon. Wow. And yeah, <laughs> one guy on one bike carrying that many things. Like it was like this light bulb in my head that came out. Like it told me like, you come from these li this line of thinking, like where you come out with these crazy ideas because you're limited. And you know, that really gave me this new idea. Like, cause I always thought, you know, people say you need this in order to get this done or you need this. And that's very similar how my cookbook got started too. Is like, I just had this idea and I was like, you know what? How do I make this happen? You know, I didn't have a single publishing deal but I knew a book is just consists of images and writing. And so, you know, that same like that aha moment walking on the street, making me realize like how, you know how I can do anything also kind of carries on to like how I went on and making a cookbook and such, you know. That is remarkable. And it shows you how practical that can be in terms of, well, you don't have to necessarily be perfectionistic about how you carry, <laughs> carry three sofas, no. three sofas, right? So, three. yeah. So, so, so it sounds like that also was helpful in terms of inspiring you to create this cookbook then. Mm -hmm. And, and are there, uh, and so tell us, how, how long did it take for you to write 
your book? Oh gosh. So the backstory is okay. I actually, so this is funny. This has to do with Imagine Talks because as soon as I spoke Imagine Talks, right, this was my first talk ever. I've never done that. And I didn't realize how hard it was. Mm -hmm. So I had all these running themes, right? And it all had to do with food, uh, my life, food and life, food and life and all those different things. So then I was like, oh my gosh, like these could be made into stories, like little short stories. So I started this Google Doc and started writing all these stories down. And I was like, but a lot of these have to do with recipes. So I started doing that together. And I kid you not, like, right when I started doing it, like a few pages in, I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a cookbook. And I knew in my head that I was like, I'm going to make a cookbook now. And I also knew that I was like, well, one, how am I, how am I going to do it? Like, I don't have any background. I don't have a single publishing deal. And I know like if I pitched it to someone, they probably wouldn't like, they probably wouldn't give it to me, you know? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to find a way how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to tell the story that I want to tell. And I'm going to find people that believe in what I'm trying to do. And they're going to come alongside with me and we're going to do this together. And so I started writing it for a year, um, kind of took a break, went traveling for a little bit. And then I had asked, um, you know, I had known somebody who is actually a designer and was leaving a lot of corporate jobs and as a designer by trade. And at that point we met, we met, we, we've, we had this really great synergy going. And so all those beautiful photos that you see, all those beautiful writings, all, I mean, the photos, the design, yeah, largely. Yeah. Well, that one is actually my uncle did that because oh. that was when I first started my own cookbook. And I needed photos and I have my yeah. uncle who's like, he does it for fun. So this goes out to show how scrappy I was with all this, like how, you know, we did this in the beginning. It was the original that I designed was nothing like the what you see now, you know? Um, but it just goes to show like, you know, I just really believed that this could happen and I, you know, connect to my inner child and realize this is such a small little test, even though people are saying like a big book is such a big task. It's like, no, it's just images and text. And if I can get those things right, I know that this can be something. So that's all I, you know, that's kind of where that, ha where that all happened. That, and that's no easy task. The way that you lay out the book has been beautiful stories, photographs, imagery, as well as the recipes. Uh, tell us then, you know, you you also mentioned Imagine Talks earlier. And for those who don't know what uh, you spoke about for Imagine Talks, tell us a bit about how you ended up uh, landing a, a keynote speech, a, a speech at Imagine Talks and what your talk was about. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, Francis, who was here earlier, who mm -hmm. I adore so much, he's my mentor. Um, actually we had many conversations about food and all these different things and he made that connection that food was actually connected to all my growth in life like there was a strong connection there and once we realized that you know he was like you you should do imagine talks you know this, this would be perfect to talk about both and so originally my my title and originally this is my title my book was called memoirs of a culinary dropout um because i am a culinary dropout um i never finished culinary school um but you know that that was kind of i wanted to give that like twist about it because i didn't want to just you know talk about 
you know, ways that I was thriving, I really wanted to talk about, and most of my story was talking about like how food was closely connected to every theme in my life, how food was this thing that like helped me get through a lot, uh, you know, because it was in the kitchen where I found how to actually deal with my emotions and you're, mm. you know, you're a psychologist and, you know, in one of my chapters, um, it's, you know, um, I talk about how for a long time, I didn't know how to deal with my feelings, but it was, it was cooking that helped me figure that out because there's a meditative, med, meditative process that goes on when you're cooking. There's a start, middle and ending to everything. So no matter what you're going through, when you're cooking, you'll always see the start, middle and end. And you realize that even if you're going through a really tough time, there's always a redemptive thing about cooking. Like even if I made start, middle, end and the food doesn't look good, I still have the next day to make it better. And that type of perspective as I was like, you know, cooking and, you know, getting lost in my own thoughts and everything, that actually helped me a lot. And, you know, I credit a lot of it being in the kitchen. I can imagine that a lot of folks who are growing up in certainly the same conditions where they're having to figure out their way in life, figure out whether they should join one world or both worlds or two, you know, we were talking about growing up as an uh, Asian, but in an American culture. And, you know, there's, there's certainly like, uh, you, you know, you don't have to be perfectionistic about it. And uh, you mentioned having a game plan, as long as you have some sort of plan, you can go along with the journey, go along with the flow and 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 uh and enjoy yourself along the way too so with uh that being said you know uh, before i forget actually you mentioned um, uh speaking at imagine talks and i remember seeing you on stage and i remember i was there i was I, I i enjoyed your your food platter afterwards <laughs> it was one of the most delicious delicious platters it was so intricate there were uh, there were just lots of ingredients so well presented in this beautiful platter. Uh, uh, tell us about that. How, how did you come up with such an amazing, amazing dish? Yes. So first of all, um, when we decided we we're going to do like some kind of food case, I was like, oh yeah, I could do a charcuterie. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, I'm just not going to give every, cause you know, the thing is I had been working in and out of the food industry for a long time. And there's a lot of things that people don't realize, um, in the back end of like, there's certain things that you can do to really like take it up a notch with your charcuterie. And I was like, I'm going to showcase that type of stuff that I do on a daily basis. Um, how I really wow and you know I really want to bring it back a little bit just to the cookbook because uh -huh. a lot of the ways that I cook in the recipes I don't know if you took a look they're very simple I basically shortcut or I you know dumbed down everything that I know and made it easy for everybody to make it um, and so you know I give you tricks hacks tips all those different things that I've learned like I've learned the structure and I basically dismantle it and made it easier. And so that's what I wanted to showcase with the charcuterie. Like I try to take all these items that I knew that people would just throw on a board and I just try to make it look really nice. And, um, you know, obviously I feel like it, it was something that, you know, stuck on as an impression, but really like I, I'm on, on top of just being, you know, cooking, you know, I am an artist and that's how I kind of, because it was, I remember it being very, very like, you know, 
pretty and you know it was huge it was a huge platter and so it was casing you know i did it live so that people can see how easy it was and actually funny fact is you know since um the pandemic has happened i've transitioned a lot of my these things like charcuterie building into courses and you know being able to show people how to do it on your you know at home and make mm -hmm. it look have the best finesse that you get at a restaurant is something that I've been very passionate about doing. So, so courses, tell, do you mean course meal courses or online courses? Oh, sorry. Yes, online courses. So, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. us about that. I didn't, I, I, this is fascinating. You're always up to something new. So, tell us what, what are your online courses or where can people find them? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, for me, I, I well, one, you know, I never expected to, you know, do this in this timing, but originally it started with my book launch, you know, I would, you know, cold email a lot of these bookstores to, book, you know, have my book. And this was right at the pandemic, like when I was, you know, contacting these people and I was like, hey, how are you going to get connected with your, you know, your book? the people who, you know, so connected with your bookstore, they can't come. So I was like offering to do these free cooking classes. And so what that did was, you know, obviously, you know, you, you message a lot of these bookstores and, you know, when the pandemic was happening, I didn't get a lot of responses back, but the one or two that did, we start, I did would do these courses for them. And so I developed these courses in a short period of time and I just did it with their viewers, did it for free and just be like, you know, just to promote my book. And then it was actually, so I started posting about these things and people who worked in different like companies and things like that, they started reaching out and was like, hey, oh. you have happy hours. Would you want to do this and that? So that just like took me off to another place where I was starting to do all these like random events and teaching all these um, different courses. So originally it started with like one course through the charcuterie and I really expanded to like five different classes at this moment. So I have a lot of, and you know, it continuously, people are just looking through my book now and be like, hey, want to do that one? Can you make it happen? And so, yeah, so I've been really just pivoting um, in, you know, not just doing book sales now, I've really started doing courses. And I really enjoy doing that. And because it's one, as I love entertaining and I, two, I love showing people entertaining should be fun, easy, and, you know, it, it should fit your lifestyle. That, that is so exciting. You've launched and pivoted, we call it pivoted, meaning like you're changing your direction in life, you went, you took us through a journey from you know, your past and how you grew up, mm -hmm. all the things that happened to, you know, what you've witnessed in China, mm -hmm. then the book, your Imagine Talks Talk, and now you're teaching others uh, about how to cook. And, and uh, I'm just curious, what else is going to, what, what do you, else do you have in store for you in the future? Do you have any plans mm -hmm. or other ideas on where you want to go? now that you've got your book and your courses out yeah I mean personally like the thing is I never and this is where I get so stumped when you, I don't know about you Stephen I don't know if you operate on those like five-year plans for yourself but, <laughs> yeah, you know I, I have I myself have like a one day one week one month and then just as you said year a few years out sort of plans five years out is probably what, what at the maximum what what, what, what about yours well, see, this is the thing, you know, every time someone asks me about five-year plans, I'm like, oh, I have, I don't have one. And I can't lie about it because truthfully, I just lean into the things that I know that's kind of get 
me closer to what I think I want. And I just, and that's what happened, you know, whether it was a book, it was, you know, even getting connected with Mag was, you know, doing the pageant, leaning Wait, into that, Mag? you know. Mag? Oh, tell Mag. us about that. Tell, for those who don't oh, know, who are in the audience. Okay, Mag, tell us, tell us what Mag is. Yeah, MAG is um, short for Miss Asian Global, and it is a pageant that takes place in San Francisco every single year. And I was fortunate enough to participate in 2017 and landing Miss Congeniality. Um, but I would say like, yeah, I just leaned into that because part of me was like, I wanna continuously put myself in situations that make me uncomfortable, make me feel like I'm like, feeling crazy and crappy inside and like all these different feelings and tensions that are running high, but being able to like keep myself at a really good, you know, like a peace level, I guess. Uh, so I just did that and I leaned in on that. And then that got me to Imagine Talk, you know, getting connected with Imagine Talks and doing all these different things. And Imagine Talk was a launching pad for me to think that melting, melting pot was this idea. And, you know, so I just continuously just lean into that. But what I was trying to say was, I don't have a five-year plan. You know, I just, I just have these things where I always joke. I never know what the next year looks like for me because every year looks different. But I always feel like I'm getting closer to what I think I want, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's an excellent example of the concept of serendipity, taking advantage of opportunities that are presented yeah. and change. And you mentioned leaning in, in yeah. when, you, when those present opportunities do come up. Yeah. Well, you know, we've, we've covered so much ground. Uh, Sam, I, I wanted to just say how much I'm grateful uh, for you to come on to our show. I was wondering if you had any last words of wisdom or part things that you'd like our viewers to take away from our conversation. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, for me, as I'm looking back, my 30th birthday is actually next week. Oh, so, wonderful. Okay. I mean, no, 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 sorry. But next year, I'm so sorry. Next year? <laughs> I don't know why it's not the week. I can't keep up with this um, calendar anymore. <laughs> the difficulty about birthdays is that you don't remember the the year. It changes each year. You know so what? exactly, like I every time I turn like, let's just say I turn twenty nine, I still think yeah. I'm in that twenty eight mindset. So, anyways, but I am turning thirty in March, and uh, one thing I realized was like I was talking to a girlfriend of mine. Was like I, you know, in my twenties, uh -huh. I legit was so tough on myself. Like I, oh, yeah. you know, I would you know, because the stuff that I knew I wanted to do, I didn't see people doing it. And I didn't see people that look like me doing it. And so like, like having, so I would cry at night wishing that I could be somebody else. I wish I could be an engineer. I wish I was, I wish I, I wish I had that heart set that I was like, I want to be a doctor. And that's all I ever wanted to do. I didn't have that. And, and that's what, and the stuff that I wanted to do was so not like your typical jobs that, you know, people would say go for. So it was really frustrating to, and then not only that, knowing that I wasn't anywhere close to what I wanted to be. That was another oh, thing too. Yeah. So, so I was like, so like feeling like I was not, you know, one, like not at the place that I needed to be to do these things and to like trying to figure out like, are my dreams too big? That was another thing. And so when I look back on it, I'm like, you know, now that I'm about to turn 30 and, you know, got to have all these really cool experiences. I think of these as experiences and I'm just like, you know, sometimes you just got to trust yourself, whatever it is, just trust that, you know, there is a process and there is a path that, you know, if you 
just stick by it. Cause there were so many times I walked out of the path. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore because this is too much. And you know, what? I'm not getting the recognition or I'm not getting any of that stuff that I need to, I feel like I need to, or people need to see in order for me to be in the next place. But I realized like, you know what, like if you've got something burning in your heart and that's some, that fire that's light up in yourself, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get any peace at it until you actually do that one thing. And so for me, like, you know, looking back on it, I'm just like, you know, you just really have to follow that fire that's inside of you because you will end up in this. Okay. Best. Sorry. Don't mean to go. Yeah. Go, go for it. (laughs) This is, this is like, sorry, this just popped in my mind. I think this was like five, six years ago. I got this quote that was so life-changing for me. It was this quote that, that said like, or a meme that said like, there are people who climb up at this wall and realize Mm -hmm. once they get to the top, that they were on the wrong wall. And that was like, whoa. And it really started making me question about why I do the things that I do. And knowing that like has given me peace about the things I do. Cause I don't always do the things that I feel like people get it, why I'm doing the things I'm doing. In fact, I was talking on another podcast the other day. I was saying like, I, my the last 10 years, I've just been working random jobs, trying to like collect skills that I knew were going to help me to do these specific projects I wanted to do one day. And so I, but nobody understood it but myself. And so sometimes when you're trying to chase after something that's lighting you up, people aren't going to get it and, you know, find the people that do get it and constantly surround yourself with those people. Cause I couldn't be more grateful for those people that have helped me to get here because I, I did not have, you know, and I always say, even in my book, I think um, towards the end of my book, I uh, do an acknowledgement page. And I said, there were people who dreamt for me when I couldn't dream for myself. And that was really important for me because, you know, people, even when in my early twenties, when I was nothing, you know, and I still, I still don't think I'm like anything. It's just like, I've been able to do these really quick, cool things, but before I was, you know, doing on any of these things, somebody saw that I could do these things and started talking to me as if I were already doing those things. And so I was like, oh my goodness, like someone believes in me. And that was super important. So, you know, always, you know, find someone who dreamed for you when you can't dream for yourself. And that makes a host of difference for, you know, whatever path you're going on. What a strong message and what a wonderful message to convey to people in terms, you know, how you can, be successful in your own way and mm-hmm. and and surround yourself with people who are very supportive of you even when you don't believe in it, even when you're feeling low um they'll pick you up and th- that's what a lot of that's what a lot of true friends will do too you know i, I gotta say uh i know we're gonna be uh uh out of time uh, where can people learn more about you on yeah. social media again um, yes. So um, you can either find me on Instagram at Sammy Eats, M-M-Y, not M-M-I-E. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, or you can go on my blog. Um, it is, I think it is Sam Tilly at WordPress.com. Let me just double check on that. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say a few things while you're checking. Um, so that's again at S-A-M-M-Y-E-A-T-S. That's Sammy Eats on Instagram. And uh, Imagine Talks, again, uh, is on imaginetalks.org. The Imagine Talks podcast is Achieving Success, Social Impact, and Overcoming Obstacles. It's produced by Francis Kong at Edge Interns. So we can find out more about 
uh, Francis Kong at www.edginterns.com and myself, Stephen Chan at Mental Power Hacks, where you can learn more about success, life and productivity. Tammy Tran unfortunately couldn't be here, but she's one of our co-hosts. Want to wish uh, Tammy Tran all the best to her and her family during this uh, um, this uh, crazy year. And uh, and were you able to find that website? Yeah. Oh yes. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> Let me quickly add that for you. Yep, it's exactly what I said. SamTillyMui.wordpress.com. That sounds exciting. Thanks all for joining us this episode. It was so wonderful to learn about Sam and uh, Samantha Mui is her full name. Google her and find out more about her food uh, and her books, uh, upcoming books. We hope uh, you all learned something too. Tune in next time for another episode. Take care for now. Mm -hmm.